Morning, everyone. Welcome to church today. Great to see those who are here. Um, welcome to those who are joining online, and I just hope that you can stay with us all the way through to the end. We've got some exciting things we're going to talk about today. Um, so really uh, looking forward to our time together. Welcome to everyone. Um, great to see some people here for the first time uh, this year. Oh my goodness, <laughs> it's been so long. Um, but yeah, it's just good to be in God's house, good to be in his presence. We're here to worship him today. We're here to pray. We're here to uh, hear God's word and uh, just do all these things and hopefully be built up today and encouraged in our faith. It's great to be in God's house. Let's just pray. And then Sarah's going to lead us in a song. Then we'll be taking communion. And uh, then we'll take communion. let's just pray. Father, we just thank you for the, the fact that you are here. Lord, we thank you that regardless of what is happening in our world just now, you are still there. You're still with us. You're still living inside us. You're still energizing us. Father, you're still able to do all the things that you were able to do before. Lord, you have not changed. And Father, we just thank you for this truth. Lord, we thank you for the ability to gather together, to be here in your name, uh, Father, to be joining online as well, and Father, just to be uh, one family in, in, in your name. And so, Father, we just thank you that you are here with us. Lord, we just pray that you'd help us. Lord, help us to be really open to all that you want to say to us today. Lord, may our, our, our uh, eyes and ears, our spiritual eyes and ears be attentive. And uh, Lord, we just want to be open to all that you want to do in our gathering today. So, Father, we just thank you and we praise you. We give you all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
Father, we just thank you for the, the words that we've been singing uh, today. Father, we recognize that you are a God who loves us. Your love for us is complete. And Father, the very fact that you know us intimately and you, you love us is just incredible. The fact that your grace is uh, poured out for each one of us. Father, that mercy, that love is lavished upon us. And Father, we just thank you for that. Lord, we thank you that we can come here and stand before you with confidence. And Father, know your presence. And Father, as we come to take communion, Lord, we pray uh, that in the process, in the act of taking communion, that you really speak to us. Father, that we would know your presence uh, in the sacraments today. So Father, we just come to you. We, we thank you that we can come to you. And just um, as, we, as we get ready to take communion, uh, I was just reading during the week um, in Mark chapter 15, and it's the moment when Jesus is crucified and when he has uh, prayed that prayer, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he prays that prayer. And then it says that, that with a loud cry, he gave up his spirit. And in that moment, he died. It says without, in, in Mark chapter 15, verse 37, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. And then the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. We thought about that fairly recently as well. But then it was this little this little verse in Mark, it says, and when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Surely this man was the son of God. Here's a hardened Roman centurion, somebody who's used to seeing these types of things happen, somebody who's accustomed uh, to, to cruelty and, and torture and punishment and, and death. And he looks upon this man this man on a cross, and he says, surely this man was the Son of God. Not just by the way that he lived, but the way that he died. And then later on we read in this passage that Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead, that Jesus was already dead. You see, Jesus was in control of uh, what was happening. It says that no, no, Jesus says, nobody takes my life from me. I give it. I give it freely. And in that moment, he, he breathed his last. And then Pilate, summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. And when he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. And we thought about Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus, who came on that, that third occasion we read about him, his allegiance to Jesus and taking the body of Jesus and, and putting him in that tomb. But we're just thankful that... Uh, we're thankful that Jesus died for us. We're thankful that he took upon himself our sin, the weight of our sin. And Father, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you that you have died in the person of Jesus Christ. You understand weakness. You understand temptation. You understand suffering. You understand human nature. And Father, we thank you that dis despite what Jesus endured at the hands of cruel people, Father, you we're able to step in. You are able to make a relationship with you secure, firm. And Father, we know that we have that relationship with you through him. And we just thank you for that. We thank you that uh, the symbols which we take remind us of Jesus' body. The, the bread reminds us of his body, which was broken for us. The wine reminds us of his blood, which was shed. And Father, as we think about these things afresh today, 
whether we're in the building here or whether we're uh, joining in online and taking communion online. Father, we, we just want to remember this incredible act of love, this divine act of love, Jesus giving his life for us. And Father, we come to remember that again today. Let's just prepare to take uh, the bread together. Father, we thank you for the bread which reminds us of the body of Christ which was broken for us. We take it in grati with gratitude in our hearts. Father, we take it with a, an understanding of uh, all that he took upon himself for us. And we thank you. Father, as we think about the blood which was shed on our behalf, Father, we read all the way through Scripture that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. There's no forgiveness for sin. There's no atonement. There's no relationship. Because, Father, we know that our sin separates us from you. But, Father, we thank you that Jesus died and took upon himself the sins of the whole world and that by his wounds were healed and by the shedding of his blood, we can experience this forgiveness, this great salvation. And so, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for that blood which was shed for us. Father, we thank you for all that Jesus means to us. And, Lord, we pray that you'd help us to keep him the focus of our attention. Father, to keep Jesus in the very forefront of our minds, of our thinking, of our decisions. Father, that everything we do would be motivated by a knowledge that, that he has done great things for us. And Lord, we are so grateful. Father, we just pray that as we continue in our time together, in our service, in our gathering, Father, whether we're gathered in person or Father, whether we're gathered online, Father, whether we're gathering even after this uh, service has taken place, Lord, for those who may watch this later on, Father, we just pray that we would know your presence. Lord, we just want to be attuned to what you're saying. So, Lord, we pray, help us to hear your voice today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Thank you guys for uh, leading, for everyone who's serving today, for the, the technical things going on in the background. Uh, I'm so grateful. Um, it's just so good to have your support and help today. And thank you to everyone who's here today. Thank you to everyone who's joining online. And uh, we just want to hear uh, what God wants to say to us today. Um, I was just thinking uh, uh, that, you know, in, in my heart today, I'm really excited to, to make an announcement. Um, and I'm looking forward to coming to that. I'm going to come to that in a little second. Just to remind you about Right Now Media, if you've not been in touch with me and you're not signed up for Right Now Media, drop me a little email, reply. I've sent out a couple of emails. If you just reply yes to that, we'll get you signed up. Um, it's a fantastic resource for the kids as well, just to remind us about that as well. Um, and the other thing was that um, I talked last week about uh, the shoebox appeal and thank you to everyone who uh, has given to that. Um, our online uh, number actually rose off the back of last week, so it's now 27 online shoeboxes. 
And one of the things that I wanted to do uh, today, if you've not told us that you've done a shoebox online, let us know, and we'll just keep adding to that number. But I wanted to just pray, um, because last week I mentioned that our boxes are going to Albania. Let's just pause for a little minute and pray for the boys and girls that, that, that are going to receive these uh, shoeboxes. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to be part of what you're doing in this world. Father, we thank you that we can be your hands and feet in this world. And Lord, we, we thank you for every shoebox which has been packed. And Lord, we just thank you that these shoeboxes are not just filled with, uh, filled with toys and gifts, but Father, they're filled with love and compassion. And Father, they're filled with uh, that, that expression of who you are. Father, we read in, in the book of John that you are love. And, and Father, we thank you that these shoeboxes are an expression of that. And Lord, we pray for every boy and girl who will receive a shoebox from this church. And Lord, we pray that you'd impact them, Lord, in such a special way. Lord, we pray that there would be joy as they open their box. Father, we pray that there would be joy as they take out the contents of that box. And Father, as they begin to explore. And Lord, we pray that there would be an excitement in their heart. Um, but Father, we pray that there would just be a turning to you as well. Father, just a, a, a real uh, desire to know the God who would uh, do such a kind thing for them. And Father, we thank you that we can be part of what you're doing. We just pray your blessing on every uh, shoebox which we have uh, done, which will go to Albania. And Lord, we just pray that it would be fruitful in the things that you want to do in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Also, uh, I don't know if anybody can read this message which is on the screen. Can anybody read that? Can anybody remember back to the days when you did Latin at school? Okay, now this is my, this is my announcement today. Um, one of the things that I've been thinking about for a long time is about uh, investing in uh, missionaries and supporting missionaries who are involved in Bible translation. This is, of course, Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Some of you may recognize some of the words in there. Um, like, I, I kind of get the superaquas. Uh, the face of the deep, the, the waters, the Holy Spirit was brooding over the waters, uh, but I can't, I, can't, I can't read Latin. I had a Latin teacher at school. He was also my maths teacher, Mr. Prentice, uh, if MD's <laughs> still listening to this, who understands. Um, but I never learned Latin. Rubbish with languages, but I am so pleased that we can invest in some people who do understand about languages, and uh, I'm going to show you a little video about Bible translation. So watch, watch the video. Imagine you're at a banquet, but this feast isn't food or drink. It's a Bible banquet, and it's a big banquet. 7,099 guests, to be exact. One for every language of the world. At one end of the table, there is abundance. In English, there are hundreds of Bible translations to choose from, more than anyone could ever consume. But imagine if you were seated at the other end of the table. Imagine if you didn't have a Bible, or even a single verse of scripture in your own language. What would you feel about a God who didn't speak your language? Can you imagine never having understood God's word? Would you have come to know him? This is Bible poverty, and Wycliffe Bible Translators was founded to end it. 1.5 billion people cannot access the Bible in their own language. 160 million do not have a single verse of scripture. It's not fair. It's not just. 
Will you help us battle this injustice? Our vision is to put an end to Bible poverty, to create universal access to the Bible. We're working to make God's word accessible to everyone, no matter what language they speak. Much has been accomplished, but much remains to be done. Please consider helping us end this injustice. This work needs your support through prayer, giving, or even going. Find out more at wickliffe.org.uk. So that's a, a video which we saw a couple of weeks ago at a missions meeting. Um, I'm just going to put this link up as well. Um, you can go onto Wycliffe's website and find out more about Bible translation. Uh, there are two characters, John Wycliffe, who uh, is the, uh, the namesake of the Wycliffe Bible Society, um, and then William Tyndale, who was also a Bible translator. Um, and it, once you go onto that website and you read their stories, I don't know about you, I just I found it incredible just reading those stories afresh. And just remembering about what these guys actually had to put up with in order to bring uh, that Latin uh, translation of the Bible into the, the common language, into the English language, the language of the people. And uh, I encourage you to go on there and read. Um, we are about to embark on supporting uh, a missionary couple who work in East Asia. And we can't go into all the details online, unfortunately, because of the sensitive nature of where they work. But this week, um, on Wednesday at our Zoom prayer meeting, we will be unpacking that more. We will be uh, sharing a video uh, that these guys have sent up to us. And I read, uh, sorry, I not read, I watched this video. And at one point in time, I had tears running down my face as I saw the effect of somebody receiving the Bible in their own language, a, a, a new Bible translation, a new Bible and, uh, you know, they, they quoted Revelation, where it talks about in that day, there'll be people from every tribe, every language, every tongue, every nation. And he said, we, we'll be included. We'll be included. And I just, I found it so emotional. And I think we're about to embark on something that has really been in my heart for a long time. I'm so excited about it. I want to tell everybody about it, but we need to do it in a way that's not online. So unfortunately, we need to do that in a closed kind of environment. Uh, so I encourage you to, to get into the Zoom meeting on Wednesday night, and we'll be telling you more about that. We'll be praying uh, for this couple. We are uh, in the process of, or we've been in the process of looking at our mission, uh, missions giving, and we're upping our support for missionaries. Um, we're supporting a number of different organizations, um, but we'll, we'll say more about that uh, just in the weeks to come. I'm really excited that we can invest in a people group getting the Bible in their language, a minority language in East Asia. I'm really excited about that, and we can be part of that. That really excites me. So just to, just to let you know about that, um, we also uh, have, oh, yeah, I love this. I forgot I had this slide. Christ himself is the greatest act of translation. I love that. In John, he talks about the Word of God. He talks about how the Word became flesh. The Word was a person. And I've shared that before many times in church life. The Word of God is a person, Jesus. And he is the best translation. I think that's me. I'm going to uh, move from announcements today just to remind you about uh, Zoom prayer 
on uh, Monday mornings. Uh, just to remind you about that, we have our fourth uh, of our sessions on the healing journey this Monday night as well. Um, next week, we have a membership uh, class on Zoom. So if you're not a member, you're more than welcome to join us uh, next uh, Sunday on Zoom. And uh, we'll be looking to bring in people into membership the following week. We're not entirely sure how we're going to do that yet because we don't know what restrictions we're going to have, etc., etc. Um, but we will be bringing people into membership on the 13th of December. So I'm really excited about that as well. I think that's all of my announcements. And we'll come to the message today. Uh, and this is the title of my message, A Holy Church is a Healthy Church. But before we do that, let's pray. I need to get my mind and my spirit and my heart into gear for the message. So I don't know about you, I need you to pray <laughs> um, because I need to, to hear God's voice as I'm speaking today as well. Father, we just pray that our spiritual antenna would be tuned into all that you want to say to us today. Lord, we just thank you that we can be in your presence today. Father, whether gathered in person or online, Lord, we just want to hear your voice today. So, Lord, we just pray, speak, and uh, Lord, we pray your voice would be heard above everything else. In Jesus' name, amen. So, a holy church is a healthy church. It's just something that's kind of continuing on from where I've been in the messages that I've been sharing over the last wee while. I said last week, I don't think God was finished speaking about the whole thing about wounding and healing and all these types of things. And so I'm kind of go, uh, going to uh, expand on that a little bit today as well. But there's a couple of scripture verses that I wanted to just read uh, for you today. I've been reading through Leviticus, and I don't know when the last time you read Leviticus was. It's, it's just incredible, actually, the things that you read in there, all these rules and regulations. But there's a purpose for the rules and regulations. And as I was reading that, I came across uh, verse 20, uh, chapter 20, verses 7 and 8, and it says, Consecrate yourselves and be holy, because I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and follow them. I am the Lord who makes you holy. I don't know about you, have you ever tried to make yourself holy by making all these rules and regulations, and you try to make yourself holy, and you find out that it doesn't work? Um, I don't know about you, um, but I've found that... Um, uh, you know, just those moments where you think, this isn't working, I'm trying really hard, but it's not working. And uh, it just in, it encourages me there that it says that I am the Lord who makes you holy. I am the Lord. God, God is the one who works in us to make us holy. Why do we need to be holy? Because a holy church is a healthy church, and the church is made up of people like you and people like me. There's a second verse um, that uh, I read in Leviticus just a little bit further on, and where God says, you're to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy. Why are we to be holy? Because God himself is holy. And he says, I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. Holiness sounds like it's something really difficult to attain to, and there's a sense of which in our own strength it is, but I want to suggest something to to you today that, that holiness is the fruit of a healed heart. We, we tend to deal with the, the kind of surface issues, but I think what God has been saying to me is that he's wanting to go deeper down into our hearts, into the places where we need to experience his healing, and to experience the peace of God so that out of our lives comes this holiness that God is looking for. Why? Because he is holy, and he's expecting us to be like him. That's a tall order, and when you, if you've ever read Matthew, the Beatitudes, you read the Sermon on the Mount, you think, I, I can't do that. 
I can't do that. And it's true. We need God in us to help us to do these things. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I kind of look these days, I look around, and there seems to be an appeal uh, to follow the Eastern religions, um, this, this whole thing about meditation, wanting to have inner peace, and all these like really, really cool things. Um, and, and we try to find ways to, to find that peace and to find that healing in our hearts. I don't know if you've ever watched the film Kung Fu Panda. For those who've seen Kung Fu Panda 3, has anybody watched that fil- film? Some of us have watched that film. And the whole thing about the film is about having inner peace. You know, it's like, and doing all these things to just kind of be in that place where, it, like, everything flows. And, and I think there's a certain attraction about that, about Eastern religions uh, these days. Even if you watch, um, there's a film called The Intern. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, I forget the guy. I always forget his name. Robert De Niro. Uh, he's the guy in that. And you see him doing all these kind of Tai Chi type things and these cool and the whole thing's about finding inner peace and calm and some some people have seen it you know what I'm talking about maybe some people online have seen it but but what I want to suggest today is that the peace that we're looking for comes when we invite God into our hearts when we give God access all areas to our heart and allow him to work in us and out of that comes the holiness of life that I think God demands of us that he's looking for us now, picture this. Picture this. There's a, a, a scene in a living room where there are two men sitting. One's on the sofa, one's on the chair, and they're discussing the Bible. They're discussing the things of God. And there's a little boy in between the two chairs sitting on the floor listening to this conversation. He's looking up at one minute at his dad, and then at the other minute, he's looking up at his Uncle Jimmy, who's known as actually his Uncle Jimmy, but he calls him Uncle Jimmy. My Uncle Jimmy, by the way, he was just, he was crazy. Right, when he would come to visit us, um, Jimmy Rennox, for those who don't know who I'm talking about, um, when he came to visit us, he would actually chase me up the stairs. I remember one time diving from the landing right into my bedroom, right underneath the bed, and my Uncle Jimmy coming and grabbing me by the legs and pulling me out and kidding on he was twisting my feet off. I'm like, ah, I was just like totally screaming. And he was just such a character. But I remember as a little boy sitting listening to my dad and my Uncle Jimmy talking about the Scriptures, talking about the things of God. And I would sit there on the floor in between and listen to the conversations and I, I just was like a little sponge absorbing it all in. I think that's probably why I'm standing here today is because of the influence of people in my life when I was younger. But I remember looking at these guys and thinking, I wish I could be like them. I wish I could be as holy as they are. Because in my view as a young person, I looked at the older generation and thought, man, they've really got it together. They're so holy. They're so righteous. They never do anything wrong. They never say the wrong things. They get everything right. And then I grew up, and then I realized, actually, that they don't have it all together. Actually, they've got weaknesses in folks just like me. But it's not until you get older that you realize that that's what life actually looks like. The reality is that none of us are perfect. We're striving to be holy, but none of us are perfect. But God is looking for a holy church because a holy church is a healthy church. I want to be part of a healthy church. We know when something's healthy, don't we? This means yes. I can't see your faces, so you're going to have to give me some body language, okay? If you're at 
online I can't see you at all, so please like, click, whatever you want to do online, <laughs> leave comments, um, it would be really helpful. But what do, we, what do we mean by being holy? There's two terms that I'm going to put up on the screen, um, just kind of like technical terms that we find in the Bible. And going back to the whole thing about Bible translation, actually some of the words that are in the Bible were invented way, way back hundreds of years ago to try and describe and to try and help us to understand what God has done for us, because at one point in time there wasn't necessarily a word to describe it. And there are two words that we find in the Bible, justification and sanctification. They're two separate things, okay? And the first one, justification, is what God has done for us through Christ, through Jesus dying on the cross. You'll be familiar with Romans chapter uh, 3, verse 23, but maybe not with the bit that comes after it. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and, we miss this bit out, are justified freely by His grace through the redemption which is about us being bought back through the work that Jesus has done. Our sins are paid for, our debt is cleared, our debt is cancelled, and we now have a relationship with God that came by Jesus. We have been justified freely by His grace. So, we talk about this phrase in church, we've been saved. Are you saved? And what we're talking about is, have you accepted the free gift of God, which is salvation through Jesus Christ? Have you accepted that? Have you invited Jesus into your heart? Because when we invite Him into our heart, then He begins to do a work inside to change us. But the second word, sanctification, is slightly different. It's about God setting us apart for His purposes, to be different. And in 2 Thessalonians 2.13, we read this. From the beginning, God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. When we invite God into our hearts, the Holy Spirit comes in and the Holy, Holy Spirit begins to do this work of sanctification in our hearts. Sanctification means to be holy. It means to be set apart. It means we're taken out of one thing and caused to be in a different place. And it can mean two different things. It can mean ceremonially, sort of being separate. And if you read Leviticus, you'll know what I mean. It's if, read Leviticus and begin to understand the rituals and the routines that they had to go through. There was a kind of ritual purity where uh, they had to be ceremonially clean. They hadn't to touch uh, dead animals. They hadn't to touch dead bodies. There was all sorts of rules and regulations about cleanliness. However, what we're talking about here is a process where God comes in and God does something in us through the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit working in us. And I want to suggest that to be holy, to be set apart, to be different, to be sanctified is a costly work, but it's also something that's a conscious decision. When we decide to cooperate with God, to cooperate with the Holy Spirit working in us, and there are four, four key principles here that I think we can see in Scripture. I'm not going to go into them in all detail, but the first is invitation. We invite the Holy Spirit into our hearts. The second is impartation, the Holy Spirit's power at work in our hearts. The third is emancipation. I use that word instead of freedom because it, it rhymed with the other ones. Um, where the Holy Spirit sets us free at the very core of who we are, sets us free in our hearts. And the last thing is transformation, to be 
different, to be changed from the inside out so that we become like Jesus. We can become like Jesus. Through the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, we can become like Jesus. All the things that we are trying to do in our own strength and failing in can happen when we invite God in, when the Holy Spirit comes in, when He begins to impart strength and power into our lives, when He sets us free from the habits and the, 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 the things that set us back and hold us back and frustrate us, because he transforms us on the inside and makes us into a new person. Remember the verse that we quoted from Leviticus at the start, to be holy because God is holy. He's looking for a holy church because a holy church is a healthy church. And we're going to pray a prayer of invitation at the end of the message, and I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer of invitation. That's that starting point where we invite God in. Even as Christians today, if you've invited the Holy Spirit in, you can invite the Holy Spirit to do a deeper work in you today. The problem is that we approach holiness as a sin management operation. Have you thought about that? We can approach holiness as sin management in our lives. And I think it's important to get hold of this this, it's a simple principle, but we try to manage the fruit of sinfulness in our lives. We try to deal with the, the stuff in our lives, the, the bad stuff, the stuff that we don't like, the stuff that we think God doesn't like, and we try to deal with that, and we try to deal with it in our own strength. I mentioned this before about New Year's resolutions. It's getting closer and closer and closer. I can't believe how close it actually is. And we, we, we focus on the elimination of bad habits. And the reality is that we can struggle with things for years and we can never get the victory over certain things in our lives, things that stop us from being who God wants us to be, things where we go, I will never ever be holy because of X, Y, and Z. And we think we're never going to win. I can tell you from personal experience that when we invite God in, then God can begin to do that work on the inside and deal with it at a heart level so that what comes out is the fruit of the Holy Spirit instead. See, resolutions and personal strength won't cut it. Just simply trying to do good works won't cut it. The problem is that we try to do things in our own strength rather than invite God into that place in our hearts where He can really, truly give us the victory. As I read Leviticus, I am overwhelmed with the expectations of the law. I'm overwhelmed by it. I read it and I think, how, how could these people even remember all this? Never mind put it into practice. I'm overwhelmed. It was all about don't touch this, don't touch that person. It was all about uh, issues of blood and, you know, if somebody's uh, got a, a rash in their skin or, you know, uh, the ways that you had to offer a sacrifice, whether it was a guilt offering, a sin offering, a fellowship offering, all these different things and all the different things that would make people unclean, that would make them unholy, unable to approach God. And they would be unclean, you know, if somebody touched a dead body, they would, you know, even of an animal, they would be unclean until the end of the day. They would have to wash, they'd have to wash their clothes and do all these types of things. And as you look at all that, and Jesus is asked a question, what's the most important commandment? What did he say? He says, love God. Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Love God. 
And he says, the second's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And, and, and that makes me think that all those rules and regulations to make us holy, the very expression of them is love. And the fulfillment of them is this person that we remember today is Jesus. He is the fulfillment of everything that we read there. And as I look at Jesus, I was thinking about the things I was reading about in Leviticus, about how you've not to touch this and don't do that. And Jesus actually touched the people who were unclean. He touched the leper. He laid his hands on them and they were healed. He, you think about the woman with the issue of blood who touched the hem of his garment. There was contact, and people who came into contact with Jesus were healed. They were made pure. They were made whole. Jesus actually took all those things that you weren't allowed to do and touch, and he actually went the opposite way, and he actually touched the people who were suffering from these issues, and he made them clean. He healed them. And I just find that amazing that, that God and the person of Jesus took all the things that you weren't supposed to do, and he actually did them. But rather than us being impure coming to God, the pure God came to us and began to touch us and make us holy, make us pure, heal us. And he's still able to do the same today. God is still able to come by the presence of the Holy Spirit and touch you in those areas of your heart where you need that breakthrough from him. The problem is, the problem is that we tend not to do that. We tend not to invite God into those areas. And let me suggest that we often pick the fruit rather than cut the root. We pick the fruit rather than cut the root. What am I meaning by that? A little white lie. Oops. Sorry, God. I've done it again. Reminds me of a song as well. These songs keep popping into my head. Oops, I did it again. <laughs> a wee glance as she passes. Oops, I've done it again. Pick the fruit, deal with the surf surface stuff rather than deal with the issue that's at hand. You see, we deal with the sins as they happen in our lives rather than dealing with our hearts or rather, rather than allowing God to deal with our hearts. If we're to become a holy people, a healthy church, then we need to allow God to do that work at the heart level of who we are. Is this making sense? Yeah? Okay, good. If it's making sense online, you can click, say yes, let us know. It'd be good to get your feedback as well. You see, the problem is we we tend to deal with the, the fruits rather than deal with the root. But God can come in and can begin to work at the very core of our being and bring transformation. Again, holiness is the fruit of a healed heart. It's what God does on the inside of us that eventually begins to work its way out in our lives. And maybe there's an area where God needs to show you this, where God needs to reveal this in your life, where God needs to show you what what he needs to do in your life in order that you can get the victory. You see, the reality is that there are people listening to this message today, and there are things which you have struggled with for years, and you do not have the victory over those things. I'm saying this because I feel that God is actually prompting me to say it. There are things which you struggled with for years, you don't get the victory, but it's because you're trying to deal with the surface issue. You're trying to deal with the effect rather than the cause. And God is inviting you today to pray a prayer of invitation, to come into your heart, to come into the places where the, the root causes are, 
and to begin to deal with root causes so that the fruit of your life is what God intends. Why? When people look at the church, when people who are not Christians look at the church, what are they expecting to see? They're expecting to see people who look like Jesus. They might not say that, but that's what they're expecting. I think I said this before recently, call yourself a Christian. Yeah. I've had that said to me, call yourself a Christian. Yes, I make mistakes, I mess up, but the older I get, the, realize, the more I realize that it's because I'm not inviting God into the heart of the matter and allowing him to change me from the inside. I came across this when I was reading, and I fire this little quote up on the screen. The fact that the transformation Jesus envisions runs so deep and is so painfully personal explains why you meet a lot of Christians who don't look anything like Jesus. I found that powerful when I read that. Let me read it again. The fact that the transformation at this heart level that Jesus envisions runs so deep and is so painfully uh, so, uh, so painfully personal explains why you meet a lot of Christians who don't look anything like Jesus. Do you know, I'm 53 now. I've been in the church since before I was born. And I've seen lots of things in the church over the years. I've seen the good, the bad, and the downright ugly. I've seen a lot of things. I've seen when people don't look anything like Jesus. They don't sound anything like Jesus either, because if Jesus was here, he wouldn't say those things, and he wouldn't do those things. And I look at people who are on the outside look as if they've got it all together, but on the inside there's turmoil because God isn't doing a work at the heart level. I think this is important because our personal health depends on it. The church's health depends on it. The spiritual health of the church. And logically, if we are healthy as individuals, if we are healthy, then the church will be healthy. Let me read a couple of verses that illustrate this from the Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7 and 8 says this, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil, which is all about holiness. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Let me read another verse. Again from the Proverbs. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. And then I'm going to say it again. I love this verse. Above all else, Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. That's the area where God wants to do this deep work in us, to bring health from the very depths of who we are so that it comes out of our whole being in the things that we say and the things that we do. Because God wants us to be a holy church. And he's looking for that fruitfulness from our lives. But the reality is that there's a cost. There's a cost. Every time we follow Jesus, there's a cost. There's a personal cost to each one of us. As we begin to take responsibility for, our, for ourselves, for our, our, our hearts, for our thoughts, for our actions. You see, we need to invite the Holy Spirit in 
in order for Him to do that work in us. But we need to take responsibility for that invitation. What's the opposite of taking responsibility? It's about abdicating, abdicating all authority, abdicating all of our responsibilities. You see, we need to invite the Holy Spirit in to the very depths so that He can impart that power, that strength into the very core of our being, so that He can come in and set us free on the inside and so that we can be transformed and become the people that God wants us to be. There's a cost to it. There is a cost. Some people might not want to take that route because you, you actually have things in your life that you want to hold on to, and you think, I want to be the boss of that area of my life still, whatever that is, maybe a temptation, maybe something that you struggle with, but you're not at a place where you're willing to give that over to Jesus, to invite the Holy Spirit in, and to allow Him to begin to do that work at that deeper level. And people say things like, oh, it's not my fault. Who's ever seen the Star Wars films where they're about to go into light speed and the hyperdrive in the Millennium Falcon doesn't work again? And what do they say every time? It's not my fault. Okay, there are some people who get what I'm saying here. They're all online. <laughs> I'm only joking, sorry. You know, it's that thing, and it just struck me about that film. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. It wasn't me. Yeah, it was you. It's your ship. You fix it. Make sure the hyperdrive's working. We need to make sure that our lives are working the way that God wants us to. And we, we can start to play the blame game. It's like, it's not my fault. You know, the, the way I act isn't my fault. It's because of what was done to me when I was a kid. It's because of this. It's because of that. It's because of my circumstances. It's because of, I don't have a good job. It's because of this. It's, and we can make all sorts of excuses for our behavior rather than taking responsibility for ourselves and inviting the Holy Spirit into the very core of our being so that we get the victory at that core level where we begin to experience the freedom that God has for us in Christ and really begin to be the people that God wants us to be. When we invite God into that place, there is a cost. There will be a cost. And there may even be a degree of pain because as the Holy Spirit begins to do that deeper work, as He begins to cut away things in our lives, then it could be painful. But I encourage us to think today that God is looking for a holy church. He's looking for a healthy church. And a holy church is a healthy church. And you are the church. You are the church. Everyone who's joined in online today, if you are part of this church, you are the church. And your individual health, spiritual health, will determine the spiritual health of this congregation. At the start of the year, I shared a message. I hadn't planned to say this, but it comes back to my mind as I'm speaking. At the start of the year, I shared a message, which is something I felt God really spoke to my heart about at the tail end of last year. And it was this whole thing that he showed me about the disciples washing their nets. And I felt what God said to me was that in this church, we need to take responsibility for ourselves. We need to be taking responsibility for allowing God, to clean us up, to clean the nets of our lives. We need to invite God into the things which are at our heart, at our core, that cause 
problems in our own lives or maybe problems for others and allow God to begin to do that work in us, to make, begin to make us uh, clean and to make us the people that he wants to, us to be. And it, it works out at this kind of level because when we, when we don't have things sorted inside, it begins to affect us and begins to affect other people. It affects our relationships. It affects how we relate to each other. And that ultimately affects what God is trying to do in this church. The reality is that God is waiting on your invitation and your spiritual health depends on it. God's waiting for your invitation. I said before that holiness is the fruit of a healed heart. Will you allow God to come in and heal your heart? Will you allow God, will you invite him in to the very core of your being and say, okay, here's the stuff that's on the surface that I'm struggling with. Help me to understand what's at the core, what's at the root of that, and help me to deal with it at that level. Rather than trying to pick the fruit, I've sinned again, I've done this, I've thought that, I've looked at that. Rather than trying to deal with all the surface stuff, I suggest today that we invite God into the very core of our being and that we allow the Holy Spirit to begin to do that healing work in our heart that what comes out of us is the fruit that we're looking for in our lives. I know from personal experience you can struggle with things for years and not get the victory. When we give it to God, what does the Scripture say? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Be holy because I am holy, and I am the one who makes you holy. God is the one who's doing this work in our hearts. Let's just pray as we draw things to a close today, and as we look to God to come and do a work in our hearts. Father, we thank you that you are interested in every aspect of our lives. Father, you are interested in every area of our lives. And Father, I just pray today that if there are areas of our lives which we have closed off to you, Father, where we have not invited you in, Lord, we ask uh, that you would come into our hearts. Lord, that you would have access all areas into our hearts. And Father, that you would begin to do that healing work in us. Father, we just give our brokenness to you. Father, we give our woundedness to you. Father, we give our fallenness to you. Lord, in those areas where we think maybe we're strong, we maybe think we're getting the victory, but Lord, then we slip up again. Lord, help us to understand what's at the core and what is at the the root of the issues that we're struggling with. Father, we just want to be in that place where we experience uh, your presence. Father, where you heal our hearts. Father, where you make us clean at the very core of our being so that what comes out of our lives, Father, the things which we say, the things which we do, will be the things which you have for us. I'm just going to ask today that if you want to pray a prayer of invitation today, that you do something physical today. I'm not going to ask people to stand up and do all those sorts of things, but today, whether you're at home, online, or whether you're in the building today, I just ask that if you want to pray a prayer of invitation, that you just hold your hands out to God and that you pray this prayer of invitation. Hold your hands out as if you're going to receive a gift from God and that you pray this prayer of invitation. Heavenly Father,
I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you that your Holy Spirit can come in to the very depths of my being. I invite you in today. I invite you in to search my heart. I invite you in to know my heart. I invite you in to point out if there is anything in my heart that is impure. Show me, to help me. Heal me. To make me the person that you want me to be. So, Father, I just ask that you would come in through your Holy Spirit and begin to do an internal work to make me clean from the inside. Maybe you're hearing this prayer today and you've never, ever invited the Holy Spirit into your heart ever before. And today, if you've prayed that prayer, then believe in faith that He has come in. Believe in faith that God can bring transformation into your life at the very core of who you are. Father, we just thank you for the work that you're doing in our lives. Lord, we just pray that in those areas where we've struggled, some of us for many years, Father, those areas where we have not seen the victory in our lives, Lord, we keep going back uh, to the old ways, the old ways of thinking, the things that we've done, the things that we do, and Lord, we just don't seem to get that breakthrough. Lord, we pray that as we give ourselves to you and as we've prayed that prayer of invitation, that you would come in and do that work in our hearts. Lord, I pray for this church. Lord, I pray that it would be a holy church. Lord, I pray that it would be a healthy church. And Lord, I pray that you would begin uh, to really uh, do some new things in our hearts and lives in this church. Lord, I pray for each uh, person in this church, Lord, that you would do that work at a very uh, root level in our lives. And Lord, that you begin to cut away through your Spirit, the roots which uh, are, are producing bad fruit in our lives. Lord, that we would deal with it at that level. And Lord, we pray that as your Holy Spirit comes in and floods us with your presence, Lord, that you would get all the glory. Lord, we pray that we would begin to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and patience, and all these incredible things. Lord, that we would begin to demonstrate that fruit in our lives. Father, the fruit of holiness, the fruit of righteousness. Father, the fruit of hearts that are turned to you. Lord, we recognize we need your strength to do this. We can't do this in our own strength. Lord, many many of us have tried that over the years, and Lord, we just realize that we can't do that, and we ask that you would come in and that you would do this work in our hearts. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here today, and uh, thank you to all who have joined us online. Just pray that you have uh, a blessed week, that the Lord would bless you, and that you would know his favor as you go out into this week, and that he would protect you and uh, keep you in his care. Amen.